your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 735 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, the Rangers, last night, they see their seven game winning streak. Uh, come to an end at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, in Pittsburgh. The Rangers uh, have a rally at the end of the game. You know, they were down by two goals fairly late with about 10 minutes or so to go. They get one of them back. And uh, again, the rally just falls a little bit short. The Rangers lose 3-2. to two. And like I said, uh, just like that, the seven-game winning streak is over. It's a good game, very competitive, back and forth the entire way. Uh, I thought the Rangers had the better of play for the first 35 or so minutes of this game, and then uh, Pittsburgh kind of took over for the final few minutes of the second period, as well as the first half of the third period, and then the Rangers really kind of got rolling again, really had some good opportunities to tie the game down the stretch, uh, and were not able to do so, of course, but we're going to talk about all that. One thing that uh, really had fans buzzing on Twitter last night was, of course, the conclusion of this game, which featured Mika Zibanejad making a hard drive to the Pittsburgh net and getting blatantly tripped by Dumoulin and nothing being called for one reason or another. I'm not really sure what exactly happened there. Um, I, I think, you know, as far as this game is concerned, and we're going to break down that play in just a second, but I, I do think even as Ranger fans, which I can assume that most of you probably are, we might have a few straight Penguin fans in here, you never know. Um, but, you know, I, I think you do have to give some credit to Tristan Jerry in this one. He, to me, was kind of uh, the X factor for the Penguins and the reason why uh, the Rangers didn't run away with this game in the early goings. Because, like I said, for the first at least half of this game, the Rangers clearly had the better of play, hit a couple of posts as well, uh, had a chance to certainly be up by more than just one to nothing, but they were not do so in, in mo the most part to Tristan Jerry. And we're also going to talk about the Sammy Blay blunder and what the Rangers could and should and possibly will do with Sammy Blay going forward. Going to have a lot to say about that for sure. Also going to take a quick look ahead to the Islander game on Thursday, which is, of course, the Rangers' final game before the holiday break. But let's go ahead and start with uh, just a crazy finish to this game. Uh, in particular, the final play when Mika Zibanejad got tripped down to the ice and nothing was called. But to kind of set the stage here, you know, again, the, the Rangers basically lost control of this game. The Penguins had had the better of play for, for some time at this point. And then uh, Chris Kreider gets the Rangers back into the game. Uh, he scores a goal about midway through the third period. Uh, an amazing play by Vincent Trocek here. Johnny Brodzinski, short pass to Trocek into the neutral zone. Trocek reaches up. Uh, gloves down the puck and, uh, you know, drops it at his feet and, you know, takes off with it through the neutral zone. He gains the blue line, plays the puck through the legs of a defenseman. This might have actually been just before he gained the blue line, but either way, uh, Trocek with a ridiculous move here, plays it right through the legs, right through the skates of an opposing defenseman. He goes in, it's kind of a two-on-one, late developing two-on-one here with Kreider, and then the other Penguins defenseman goes down on his stomach and tries to, you know, disrupt the play and prevent the pass. Trocek is able to keep going, 
and uh, gets around to the outside of the defenseman, makes a centering pass for Chris Kreider, and Kreider tips it into the net and scores, and that cut the the Penguin lead to just 3-2. to two. So, you know, you're, you're kind of back in business here, and like I said, the Rangers had a lot of chances after this. Uh, Gerard Gallant, though, I think he he seems to like what he's getting from this line of Kreider, Trocek, and VZ. That line started all three periods for the Rangers in this game, and of course, at the very start of the game, just 22 seconds into it to be exact, uh, Chris Kreider scored and got a little bit of a lucky bounce on this one. You know, he played the puck toward Trocek in the center of the ice, went off of a Pittsburgh defenseman and into the net, but uh, this line overall played pretty well in this game and uh, was responsible for each of the Rangers' two goals, but you know, with all that said, we've kind of set the stage here for uh, the grand finish, so to speak. Not so grand, I guess, if you're a Ranger fan. But, uh, you know, like I said, the Rangers, they were buzzing in the final few minutes of this game. Uh, they pulled a goalie and just a ridiculous no call uh, when Mika Zibanejad drives the net. You had Philip Hedl passing through the neutral zone, leading Mika Zibanejad in on the rush. Uh, Mika goes hard to the net, gets tripped, clear as day, stick on skates. You know, Dumoulin laid out, he dove, he extended his stick, tripped Mika, uh, nothing was called on the play. And before we go any further here, let me just say that I don't think this is a banner night for the officiating to begin with, even before this happened, and that applies both ways. Uh, early in the first period, this is right after the Rangers had made it one to nothing, uh, the kid line is out there, and you've got Capo Caco behind the Pittsburgh net, and he gets tripped down to the ice, or he falls down to the ice. They dubbed it a tripping penalty. I don't really think this was a trip or really any penalty against the Penguins. I don't think there was a whole lot there. I don't really think anything should have been called. Uh, there was also a situation, a couple of situations later in the game. Uh, Jeff Carter cross-checked Ryan Lindgren in the back and knocked him into the Ranger net. Nothing was called there. And then Lindgren himself, on the goal that was scored by Rust, uh, he cross-checked rust in the back, and they didn't call anything there. So uh, really kind of all over the place as far as the officiating was concerned. But, you know, given the fact that this is a one-goal game, there's less than a minute left, game's on the line. This one, the no-call uh, on Dumoulin against Mika Zibanejad is the one that's really going to stand out and really going to be talked about, uh, especially if you're a Ranger fan. And it's interesting because, as a lot of you might remember, uh, Dumoulin was also the defenseman that was involved in that play at the end of game one of the playoff series last season. Uh, so basically, Capo Caco drives to the net. Dumoulin cross-checks him from behind, knocks him into uh, Casey DeSmith. Yeah, to be fair, I, I don't know that it was really a cross-check, but he shoved Caco from behind, knocked Caco into Casey DeSmith. Caco falls to the ice from his stomach. He passes to Philip Heedle. Uh, Heedle scores from the doorstep, and the Rangers are going to be up by a goal with just three minutes left in game one. Instead, they look at it and they overturn it, despite the fact that Dumoulin blatantly pushed Kako into his own goalie. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, but it is interesting here that uh, Dumoulin and Heedle, both involved in this play again, another controversial uh, you know, finish to a game here. So Heedle has the puck in the neutral zone. And as I mentioned, the Rangers have pulled their goalie at this point. They're searching for the equalizer. Passes through the neutral zone to his right to Mika Zibanejad. Mika gets behind the defense. He's going in alone, uh, driving hard to the net. Dumoulin lays out, stick on skates. Mika falls down to the ice and barrels into uh, Tristan Jerry, and nothing was called as far as uh, a trip is concerned. Now, something else I want to address here. I did see some Ranger fans on social media saying that, you know, not only should that be a penalty, that there, it should be a penalty shot. I can't go that far. Penalty shots usually are not going to be called unless a player is clearly in the clear. He's clearly behind the defense. He clearly has an open path to the net. 
and everybody else on the ice is just basically chasing him from behind. That wasn't really the case here. You know, Dumoulin was kind of approaching him from the side. This wasn't like a clear-cut breakaway, nothing but daylight, and the goalie in front of you. It wasn't like that. So I don't think that this should have been a penalty shot for Mika Zibanejad. Certainly, it should have been a tripping penalty, though. Um, here's something else that, you know, I kind of want to offer something that hasn't been said, uh, at least nothing that I've seen on social media. It's an aspect of this play that I haven't seen discussed yet. So not only is Mika Zibanejad blatantly tripped on this play, but after he was tripped, you know, his momentum took him forward. He's sliding across the ice and he barrels right into uh, Tristan Jerry. So my question for the referee, Wes McCauley, he was one of the two referees out there and he is the Angel Hernandez of the NHL. And if you follow baseball, you know that's not a good thing. But my question uh, for the referees, if this was not a trip against Dumoulin, it totally was, but let's just say it wasn't. If this was not a trip against Dumoulin, then how is it not goalie interference against Mika Zibanejad? Because if Mika was not tripped, he barreled into the Pittsburgh goalie. I mean, that you'll never see a clear, a more clear goalie interference penalty in all your life. So, I mean, it pretty much has to be one or the other. It either has to be a trip against Dumoulin or goalie interference against Mika Zibanejad. But what happened here was the refs just kind of swallowed the whistle because, I don't know, it's the final minute of the game. And I don't know, man. You know, to me... This shouldn't happen. You shouldn't have a situation where refs, you know, kind of swallow their whistle late in games. If something's being called a penalty in the first period, it should be called a penalty in the third period, in the final minute, uh, whatever it might be. So very, very unfortunate that it was not called here. And, you know, I mean, there's only 42 seconds left in the game at this point. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's a guarantee that the Rangers would have scored a goal if this penalty had been called against Dumoulin. But you know what? The Rangers have a good power play. They've been a little bit up and down so far this year. And of course, uh, credit to the Penguins. They shut them down last night. The Rangers were 0 for 3 on the power play. The Penguins were 2 for 3, which is also a pretty critical uh, aspect of this game. But you know what? 6 on 4, 42 seconds to go. I mean, I'd like to see the Rangers at least get an opportunity there. There's no guarantee that they would have put one in the net, uh, but they were buzzing in the final few minutes, and I think there's a decent chance that uh, they might have converted again. There's no guarantees. It's entirely possible that the Penguins hold them off and they win the game anyway. But yeah, I mean, I just, I'll never understand uh, how something that obvious can cannot be called a penalty in a situation like that. But it is what it is. There's not really much else to say about it. There's not, it's not like this is one of those nuanced situations and there's shades of gray. It was a blatant trip. They didn't call it. It is what it is. I, I guess, you know, hey, refs are going to miss calls uh, at least from time to time. Um, but yeah, I figure in just a second we can uh, move on. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of things that Gallant did late in this game that were a little bit confusing. I mean, it was really just one thing, but I do have to take some issue with it. I know certain Ranger fans are, are not the biggest fan of Gallant. I have mostly defended him, but I, I will mention one thing here. Uh, also going to talk about the Rangers hitting the post a bunch of times, uh, some of the extracurriculars, and uh, why Sammy Blay uh, needs to be a healthy scratch for the next game and, and possibly beyond that as well. And we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. But first, just got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball to hockey, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline. Where the game starts. 
All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So as you guys know, any longtime listeners, anybody who tunes in from time to time, uh, I have mostly, pretty much ever since Gerard Gallant was hired, uh, supported him, backed him, and I still do believe he's the right coach for this job. Um, but I do, I can at least acknowledge certain things that he does that make me scratch my head a little bit, that maybe drive certain other Ranger fans a little bit crazy. And there was one such example of this late in this game. Uh, Johnny Brodzinski on the ice with the Rangers trailing by a goal with less than two minutes remaining. Now, let me preface this whole thing by saying that since Johnny Brodzinski has been called up, I think he's played pretty well for the Rangers. You know, for a fourth line center, a career NHL, AHL swingman who's in his late 20s, uh, I think you have to like what you've gotten from Brodzinski so far. I think he's been a pretty obvious upgrade on Ryan Carpenter, who, of course, uh, opened the season as the fourth-line center, and he's now with the Hartford Wolfpack. And Glant, or excuse me, uh, Brodzinski played pretty well in this game, too. Brodzinski does not need to be on the ice for the New York Rangers or any team in this league when you're down by a goal— with less than two minutes remaining. Just doesn't need to happen. And again, I've mostly defended Gallant, but when he does things like this, I can at least understand why uh, certain Ranger fans start to lose their minds at least a little bit. Didn't really understand that. I realize you have to play all your players, but I got to believe there's better options than Johnny Brodzinski uh, in a situation like this. I will say one thing that Gallant did uh, that I like, though, and I, I think it's something that he's gone to more recently, is when the Raiders are in a situation where they're down by a goal late in a game, and they're searching for that equalizer, and, and they pull the goalie. He's been going with Philip Heedle now instead of Barclay Goodrow. And I like Barclay Goodrow, big fan of him as well. Uh, but Philip Heedle has had a really strong start to the season. He's more of a threat to do something uh, in a situation like that than is Barclay Goodrow. I've said on here, I think Barclay Goodrow has certain offensive skills and is probably a little bit underrated in that department. But Philip Heedle, uh, again, off to a really strong start to the season, and he's just more dangerous in a situation like this than is Barclay Goodrow. And in fact, the play we just described, the one where uh, Mika Zibanejad was tripped and it wasn't called, it was Philip Heedle who made that pass to set the whole thing up. So I like that Philip Heedle is getting a chance to you know, be part of the uh, the hero unit late in the game when, when the Rangers go with six skaters and uh, try to find the equalizer. So props to Glant for that one. Um, but I do want to talk at least a little bit about uh, you know, the Raiders hitting all these posts and Tristan Jerry's performance as well. Something that I loved about this game, at least in the first half of it, and toward the end as well, uh, the Raiders were just all over the Penguins anytime the puck was in the Penguins zone. And there were times where the Penguins would have possession. Man, they were having a heck of a time getting the puck out of their own zone. All kinds of issues, a lot of turnovers, a lot of giveaways. The Rangers were forcing them into that. And it kind of reminded me, honestly, of this playoff series last year, but it was kind of a role reversal. Because if you guys remember... Uh, the first, say, four games of that series, and it was the Crosby line in particular, but really the Penguins as a whole, but what happened is, you know, the Rangers would have possession of the puck in their own zone, and they could not clear the zone to save their lives, and it led to uh, a bunch of scoring opportunities for the Penguins. It also led to a lot of goals for the Penguins. In this case, the opposite was true. The Rangers were all over them, did not let them breathe. Uh, the Penguins are really, really shaky anytime they had the puck in their own zone, and it led to some scoring chances for the Rangers. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, uh, Tristan Jerry pretty much had his A game in this one, and uh, he was denying the Rangers uh, on a couple of different instances there. And like I said, the Rangers would have had a much bigger lead than just one nothing had it not been for the play of the Penguin goal tender. Um, but yeah, uh, Jerry, you know, again, he made the difference. He stopped 26 of 28 shots, was very, very good in this game. He also got a little bit of help from the iron. I saw a tweet that went out 
Uh, it was from our, our friend Vince Mercagliano, friend of the show, and you know we'll have him back on here sooner or later for sure. Uh, but he mentioned that the Rangers had hit the post three times. I only mentioned, or I only wrote into my notes two of them, so maybe I missed one. I mean, the Rangers hit the post so often, who can even keep track at this point, right? But, um, you know, basically... Again, this, this is all while the Rangers are up one to nothing, a chance to make it two to nothing. Uh, you had Vincent Trocek shooting the puck off the crossbar. Truba made a pass up to VZ. VZ got it over to Trocek. Trocek's in the center of the ice, prime scoring real estate, rings it off the crossbar. And, you know, it kind of got me thinking about Vincent Trocek and the impact that he's made as a New York Ranger. Uh, so far this season, Trocek has 11 goals. And as far as how many times he's hit the post, it has to be in the double digits uh, by this point. So imagine... Let's just say Trocek has hit the post 10 times. Say five of those went in, right? And I know woulda, coulda, shoulda, and you can't really do that. But let's just say, uh, for the for the fun of this exercise here, five of those posts that Trocek hit resulted in goals instead. Well, now, instead of 11 goals, Trocek would have 16 goals at this point of the season. He'd be on pace for close to 40 goals in his first season as a Ranger. He's doing a heck of a job for this team, and doing a heck of a job despite the fact that he might have the worst luck of any player in the NHL, at least as it pertains to putting shots off the post. But just wanted to at least mention that. Uh, Trocek doing a heck of a job with the Rangers. As far as the other post, or at least the other one that I wrote into my notes, uh, Rangers win an offensive zone faceoff. Adam Fox passes in deep to Jimmy Vesey. Uh, Vesey turns and just rips a backhand shot right off the post. He beat Jerry clean. There's no way he was going to stop this. And unfortunately, uh, the iron denies Jimmy Vesey there. Vesey continues his recent run of good play as well. And, and like I said, credit where it's due. Tristan Jerry was very, very good in this game. Uh, I do want to uh, mention a couple of fisticuffs in this game and, and get to the stuff about Sammy Blay. And uh, we will do all that in just a second. But first... Got to uh, give a special announcement here from NHTSA. Uh, did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think that law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you are not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. All right, we'll keep everything uh, rolling right along here. Wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the fisticuffs in this game. And it's funny, it took a while for this to uh, to really escalate. You know, early in this game, the first period, first period and a half, you wouldn't know that there was really much of any bad blood between these two teams. Nothing really happened as far as, you know, extracurriculars and things happening after the whistle. But, you know, it's kind of like a powder keg. It, it just... It just needs to be lit. And there were a couple incidents in the second period where the intensity really kind of picked up. Uh, you had Jake Gensel getting a chance from the doorstep. Igor Shesterkin, a really nice save there. And Igor was really good in this game. I know he gave up three goals. He made some fantastic glove saves in this one, uh, especially early in this game. Great point-blank save against Jake Gensel here. 
And then we get the fisticuffs. You know, Lindgren and Gensel were kind of tied up. Uh, Raquel jumped in there. He went after Lindgren. Barclay Goodrow jumped in there. He went after Raquel. It kind of just snowballed. Big get-together. Uh, Fox and Crosby kind of tied each other up during this play as well. And then uh, there was a big hit by McGinn. And he basically, th- this is the play with Sammy Blay. So so we'll, we'll talk about this now. And then we'll talk a little bit more about Sammy Blay a little bit later. Big hit by McGinn against Sammy Blay kind of near the benches. McGinn did this thing where he kind of like wouldn't let Blay get back up. He kind of just like leaned on him and almost like held him down a little bit. Um, so I get some frustration by Sammy Blay, but you cannot do what he did here. He got up and basically just took a punch at McGinn and hit him. And the referee rightfully calls a penalty against Sammy Blay. So the refs actually got something right in this game. So, you know, credit to them for that. But just an awful play by Sammy Blay here. I mean, this is this is crunch time here. The, the Penguins, not too long before this, had gotten the game-tying goal. It's 1-1. One to one. It's late in the second period. The Penguins are getting basically their first good push of the game. And you do them just an incredible favor by taking a, a terrible penalty here, putting your team shorthanded. And as fate would have it, of course, uh, the Penguins end up scoring on the power play. Uh, you had Mika and Kreider almost scoring shorthanded. Nice pass by Mika to his left to Kreider. It was turned aside. Uh, but then shot from the blue line for the Penguins. Russ deflects it in. And then uh, the extracurriculars happened. You know, Lindgren cross-checks Russ. Russ was screaming at Lindgren after this play. As I mentioned earlier, there was also a play where Jeff Carter cross-checked Lindgren in the back, sent Lindgren face-first into the back of the Ranger net. Uh, So there was stuff both ways and things that were missed both ways by the referees for sure. Um, But this also kind of leads me into kind of a bigger picture thing here, uh, something that I want to talk about regarding Sammy Blay. And for starters, just to kind of discuss the lineup here, it was the same lineup that the Rangers have been going with. Uh, Blay was out there on the fourth line on the left wing with Brodzinski at center, Krafsov on the right wing. And uh, as far as other, you know, lineup notes are concerned, Ben Harper made his fourth straight start over Libor Hayek. And of course, Philip Hedl, uh got back into the lineup. He was kind of questionable as far as whether he was going to play in this game, but he got back out there. And then, you know, just to kind of discuss everything that happened with Blay here, I-, I think after this terrible penalty, and we've already discussed that, it is now time for Sammy Blay to come out of this lineup and be a healthy scratch for the second time this season. It is time for Julian Gauthier to get back in. Blay has really struggled, and I do sympathize uh, with him for what happened last year. He was taken out on a very dirty play, tore his ACL, tore like every ligament in his knee, basically. I I don't even remember all of them. He basically tore everything. So maybe that's still hindering him to a certain extent. But at a certain point, facts are facts. Blay just doesn't really bring anything to the table for the New York Rangers. And there's something that I've kind of been holding back on, something that I've been holding back on saying as it pertains to Sammy Blay, but I'm going to say it. Sammy Blay is the new Brett Howden. Yeah, I know. Think about it, though. I mean, both of these guys came to the Rangers as part of an ill-fated trade, shall we say. You know, of course, Brett Howden came over as part of the trade that sent uh, Ryan McDonough and JT Miller to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Sammy Blay, of course, came over to the Rangers in exchange for Pavel Buchnevich. He also came along with a second-round draft pick. And... You know, for Sammy Blay and Brett Howden to kind of continue the comparisons here, Blay basically does one thing well. He hits people. That's it. He, he doesn't really contribute anything else. He's not going to do anything offensively. I think we've seen enough evidence to know that that's true. And with Brett Howden, the only thing that he did well was he killed penalties. So both of them have one thing that, that they do well, and they don't really bring anything else to the table. And both of them seem 
to be almost impervious to being healthy scratch. It took David Quinn at least 20 games longer than it should have to finally, finally, finally make Brett Howden a healthy scratch. And kind of the same thing is happening right now uh, with Gallant and with Blay. Now, of course, Blay was a healthy scratch one time a couple of games ago, um, but there's times where it feels like, you know, Quinn with Howden and now Gallant with Blay, the idea of making either one of them a healthy scratch is almost like a non-starter. Like, like that's where the game plan begins. Well, Howden has to be in the lineup or, or Blay has to be in the lineup. I, I don't know what Blay has done to, you know, not even mostly for the most part, get consideration to being a healthy scratch in these games. Here's another stat that I'll throw at you. And I realize scoring goals is not everything. There's other aspects of this game. Blay has now played in 44 games with the Rangers between last season and this season. Zero goals. Only two Ranger forwards have gone longer than that in Ranger history without scoring a goal. One of them was Shane Churla, and unfortunately, I don't have the stat in front of me. The other was a player that I've never even heard of. It's probably a really long time ago, but that's kind of where we're at right now. And, you know, a lot of Ranger fans, they get mad about Blay because they think of the Buchnevich trade, and they think, man, we gave up Pavel Buchnevich for this guy. I will not hold... That against Blay, because he doesn't make the trade. That's first and foremost. Secondly, though, I think this is a good time to remind everybody, you know, I will stick up for the Rangers on that trade in a certain way. And that, of course, is that it wasn't really Buchnevich for Blay straight up. The idea here was the Rangers felt that they could not afford to re-sign Paolo Buchnevich, so they needed to uh, trade him and open up some cap space. That, I think, was the main reason why Buchnevich was traded. The second most important reason from the Rangers' point of view, as far as why they traded Buchnevich, was to get the second-round draft pick that they got in exchange for him. I honestly believe Sammy Blay was was kind of just a throw-in. You know, he was the third most important aspect of this trade. The most important aspect was uh, opening some cap space and not committing to Pavel Buchnevich on a long-term, high-price contract. Uh, the second most important aspect was the second-round draft pick, and the third most important aspect was uh, Sammy Blay. And the Rangers would never admit to that because they don't want to diss their own player. But I feel like that's probably the way it went down for the Rangers. I don't think the Rangers truly believe that, like, oh, man, going from Pavel Buchnevich to Sammy Blay, what an upgrade. I really don't think that that's what was going through their head. Um, but I, I'm sure they certainly expected Sammy Blay to give them more than what he's given them. And honestly, we're kind of at the point now where I'm not so sure that, you know, Sammy Blay is, is going to make it through this season with the New York Rangers. I mean, we've talked about how they've opened up some cap space as far as the trade deadline is concerned and some players that they might look to target. You know, obviously people are going to talk about Patrick Kane quite a bit. Um, there's other players they might be interested in. I get the feeling that toward the end of this season, and maybe even before then, but certainly after the trade deadline, you're going to see a situation where they start to get squeezed out of the lineup a little bit. We saw that last year with guys like, you know, Ryan Reeves kind of got squeezed out after the trade deadline. Uh, Dryden Hunt was another one. Uh, Sammy Blay, it could very well happen to him this season because if the Rangers bring in one or two forwards at the trade deadline, then somebody's going to have to be odd man out or odd men out if you bring in two forwards. And I don't see how one of them would not be Sammy Blay. So I'm not so sure he's going to make it through the season. We've already seen the Rangers move on from Ryan Reeves and Dryden Hunt this year. And frankly, I would prefer either one of them to still be on this team over Sammy Blay. And I realized with Reeves, you know, part of it was he makes more money than either Blay or Hunt and they wanted to clear up some cap space. That was part of it. But man, I would take Ryan Reeves and his Santa Claus gear in uh, in about two seconds over, over Sammy Blay right now. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean here. Again, I do sympathize with Blay with what he went through last season, but he's just not bringing anything to the table. He's not really doing anything to help the Rangers win games right now. 
And I think it's time for him to sit back down, Julian Gauthier to get back in, get another opportunity. And like I said, I, I think Blay is really facing an uphill battle uh, as far as making it through this season and, and the playoffs and everything else, if, if the Rangers can get there, uh, still on this roster. So I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. Uh, as I mentioned, the Rangers are going to be back in action on Thursday at home against the Islanders, and that is, of course, the final Ranger game before the holiday break. And the Rangers, of course, and the entire league, they freeze the rosters during the holiday break, so there's not going to be any trades or anything like that, which is a good thing. Let these guys enjoy the holiday with their family and not have to, you know, worry about being traded or, or anything along those lines. Um, but it's a big game. You know, obviously, the, the standings are pretty bunched right now. The Rangers... Uh, with that seven-game win streak, got themselves back into a playoff position in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but it's tight right now, and obviously the Rangers are going up against the Islanders, a big two points on the line. It's kind of a swing game. The Islanders are just behind the Rangers in the standings right now. Uh, we know how crazy the Metro is. Really, the entire Eastern Conference is like that this season, and uh, it's huge. And it's huge because, you know, I don't think you want to go into the holiday break and then the Rangers won't play again until uh, Tuesday. So they'll play Thursday. They won't play again until Tuesday. So you don't want to go into that break with two consecutive losses, especially after you won seven in a row. Uh, you don't want to go into the break with a bad taste in your mouth and having to wait uh, almost an entire week to get back out there and try to get back on the winning track. If you win this game against the Islanders, you conclude uh, this portion of the season by winning eight out of nine games and you know capping it off with uh, a win over you know, one of your biggest rivals. And I think Ranger fans will be feeling pretty darn good if that's the case. But man, if, if you lose to the Islanders after losing to the Penguins, it's going to put a little bit of a damper on this seven-game winning streak. It's not going to like nullify it or anything like that. And I think overall, we'll still be feeling good. But yeah, that, that would be that would be a little rough for sure. You win seven in a row and then you lose two in a row to go into the break. So big game for the Rangers. Uh, very much looking forward to it on Thursday. Chance to bounce back. Uh, you know, the winning streak can't last forever. Sooner or later, it's going to get snapped. The question, as always, is how do you respond to it? And I look for the Rangers to come out uh, skating hard against the Islanders and hopefully picking up a big two points before they go into the break. But yeah, I mean, I figure we could pretty much call it for call it there for today, guys. Uh, once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Sports Today podcast. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.